Hello, and welcome to the Signpost Inn podcast, a space at life's crossroads to connect with God and find direction. Pour yourself a drink, grab a seat, and join us on the back porch for a friendly conversation about Christian prayer, spirituality, and faithful theology. My name's Matt. And I'm Brandon, and we're really glad you're here. The Signpost Inn podcast is brought to you by the Signpost Inn ministry, where we offer spiritual direction, retreats and sabbatical residencies, and lots of resources and training. You can find out more about what we do and support us by visiting signpostin.org. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about the idea of pursuing God, especially now at the beginning of the year when many of us are making New Year's resolutions. It's easy to think that we have to work harder and make ourselves better in order to have a relationship with God, but we're going to talk about reversing that perspective and thinking about how God might be the one pursuing us. So Happy New Year, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey there, Brandon. Welcome back to the back porch. So good to be here, Matt. Yeah, well, and Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year to you too. Thanks, yeah. So what do we got coming up? Hey, that's a really good question. So we've been talking about this coming new year, and we've got a lot of good stuff in the podcast. Uh, I've got a backlog of things recorded and edited and ready to come out. We've got some interviews with some really cool people. I have an interview with a guy uh, who's a Orthodox monk who who lives at the monastery that we sometimes do our prayer retreats. His name is Father Joseph. He's an Antiochian Orthodox uh, monk who paints icons. Wow. I also have an interview uh, ready to go with a gentleman named Christian Jones, and he runs uh, an inner city, actually he runs four inner city missions in Flint, Michigan. We had a phenomenal conversation about prayer, about Christianity, about living out Christianity in really hard situations. That's going to come up this year. I've also, I've got some other interviews ready to go. Uh, you and I have some stuff put, recorded on Christianity, spirituality, and neuroscience. Those are all things to come, plus the right, the usual just craziness that you and I bring to the show. Yeah, I can't wait. All of these things, got. I'm really excited for it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. So actually, while we're on that topic, I want to read some feedback that we got on last year's podcasts. This is from Adelie Bale, and she says that she's listening to your podcast on repeat, and she shared it with several people. I definitely think the things you're talking about are so relevant to our current cultural situation. Prayer and a right view of God are so important. I'm learning from listening. Keep it up. So thanks, Adelie. We super appreciate the feedback. That's so great. Yeah. Yeah. And if if you want to send us an email or give us some feedback, we would really appreciate it. So send us an email at podcast at signpostin.org. Um, Leave us a good review in whatever podcast app you're using. Give us a five-star rating. Share us with your friends. We'd, we'd love, to, love to be able to reach more people with just fun back porch conversations. Yeah. It's, it's always good to hear when people, when I hear people tell me that they're enjoying it as much as I am, because this is great for me. I'm blessed every time we get together, and it's so great to hear that other people that that pick it up and and are as just as blessed as I am. So I'm really happy about that. Yeah, me too. And just a quick reminder too that not only feedback, but we'd love your questions. Mm. If you hear something and you're 
confused or angry or whatever, send us an email. We'll try to respond to it on sh- on the show or um, via email, um, and we're happy to do so. So please don't hesitate. Um, but today, w- we wanted to talk uh, about something that to me fits so well with the new year. I think at this time of year, a lot of us have made New Year's resolutions. We've looked back at our previous year and said, you know, here's places where I can improve my life. And uh, Matt, I don't know about you, but for me, there's been many New Year's that I've looked back on my year and said, yeah, I need to work harder on my spiritual life. And you know the jokes are always the same you make you, know, you make your workout plan and everybody everybody signs up for the gym january 1st and then everybody leaves the gym february 1st right <laughs> and right. i mean that's not always true you know some, lots of people i know do stick with their stuff but anyway i was thinking about all of that and what it came what came to my mind was a phrase that i've often heard which is that we need to pursue god mm-hmm. it's a pretty common phrase right that we need to pursue a relationship with God or that we need to pursue God um, hard. And there's certainly a sense in which I think that's true. Um, I, I think of, and I think verses that are often quoted are Paul talking about disciplining his body, right? Uh, running the race. Mm-hmm. Those, those kinds of metaphors are in scripture. So, you know, I certainly don't want to throw out any babies with any bathwater here, but I do think that there's something that can go wrong with that metaphor. And specifically what I think can go wrong with that metaphor is that if you're, if the image you have in your mind about your relationship with God is pursuing him, then God is running away in that image. Hmm. Mm. And this came home to me really really powerfully one time I was in the mountains driving with uh, some students, uh, teenagers, and we were driving through the mountains and there was a car up in front of us and the young man sitting in the passenger seat next to me just kind of out of nowhere said, hey, this is like a metaphor for how we should be pursuing God. Are we willing to chase after God like like we're chasing after this car ahead of us? And that's where it struck me. And I said, you know, maybe the metaphor should be reversed. That maybe the way scripture pictures what's really going on is that we're the car in front and Jesus is chasing after us. Yeah, and I, and I do love the reversal because especially thinking of the subject of New Year's resolutions and uh, starting out fresh and with, an, with a new plan and just, just being ready to try harder. I've been through that cycle so many times in my life. Inevitably, when I try harder, I fail harder. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, I think there's definitely something there of reversing the imagery and seeing that maybe what we need to recognize is that God is the one who's chasing after us. Yeah. In the context of prayer, I struggle with this all the time. You know, it's difficult to establish a morning routine of prayer. And for a long time, and still even now, the only way I can think of often to handle the the struggle, it's, you know, you get up, you miss a day and you're like, or you miss a week or you miss a month of prayer and which is me sometimes. And I'm like, ah, I'm a terrible person. I need to work harder. Like you said, it's really a lack of effort. That's my problem. The idea I have in somewhere in the back of my head is that 
God would be okay with having a relationship with me. He'd like to talk to me, but I have to really work at it to become pure enough for him. Mm-hmm. The The image of God there is that he is, he's kind of a demanding, distant teacher, I think is the idea. He's not even a parent. He's a demanding, distant teacher. And like, it's okay to come and ask questions of him, but only if you've done your homework. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> You know, because if you haven't done your homework, the first thing you're going to hear is how bad you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah. then I ran across this quote that honestly, I think it's even in my book. It, it blew my mind. It's from Thomas Merton. And he says, in prayer, we discover what we already have. You start from where you are and deepen what you already have. And you realize you are already there. We already have everything, but we don't know it and don't experience it. Everything has been given to us in Christ. All we need is to experience what we already possess. Yeah. Wow. Totally rocked my world. That prayer is not about gaining an experience of God getting closer to God, chasing after God, that every morning I get up to pray, this is not my pursuit of God. Rather, it's resting in the reality that God has already come and is with me before I even start praying. Mm -hmm. And that prayer is, is a way of changing my perspective so that I see the reality that's true rather than the reality that I make up in my own head about how God's somewhere else and I need to go find him. Yeah. Yeah, and I really like how you touched on this biblical concept of rest and resting in God. It's it's so counter to what the world wants us to think about how spirituality and religion works is that it's a, a series of practices and disciplines and and granted there are practices and disciplines that we we really ought to use. They're of great benefit, but this concept of needing to achieve those before you can actually meet with God is just not biblical. It's just not there. Right. Yeah. It's such a sinful way to think Yeah, that I have to purify myself before God will love me. And the reason that's sinful is because it refuses to accept that God is the one that purifies us. Actually, while I was preparing for this episode, I came across a really, really good book that I have now read most of. <laughs> so I, I, I'm really close to finishing it, but I think I've read enough of it that I can highly recommend it. And it's a book called The Pursuing God, A Reckless, Irrational, Obsessed Love That's Dying to Bring Us Home. Hmm. And it's by Joshua Ryan Butler. Love that title. Yeah. And I know there's words in there that are going to some people are going to be, there's going to be reaction to, I think there was a big ruckus about the word reckless love or something at some point, just, just for the people who that triggered. Yeah. <laughs> that's not what he's talking about. That's not the same thing here. He's doing something very different with it. So it would be worth reading. But he pointed out something that I had known before, but which the way he presents it is really, really good. Hmm. He points out that the word lost, the idea that we're lost in scripture means that you're loved. Elaborate on that some more. What do you, what do you mean by that? His presupposition or his, his, his assumption is that when we hear the word lost, we think of it in terms of I'm a sinner who's lost and what I need to do is find my way back to God. But what he does is he takes us to 
uh, Luke, and there are three parables about lost things Hmm. right in a row. And so Jesus first tells the parable of the lost sheep and the shepherd leaves the 99 and goes, look, looks for the one lost sheep. So Butler points out that normally when we moderns hear that term, we're like, of course he does. He loves the sheep. He's going to go find the one. And he's like, that's because we're not shepherds. (laughs) What an ancient shepherd would hear is what an idiot this shepherd is to leave 99 sheep open to attack, open to being stolen. They're going to wander off to go search for one stupid sheep because it's a business decision right? Like cut your losses. Yeah, You lost one. That's fine. You still have 99. What are you thinking to leave the 99 behind and, and risk them to go look for one? Yeah. Butler says, Jesus skipped economics 101. <laughs> he doesn't care about your economics. He, what he wants is he loves that sheep and he goes and finds it, even though it seems sort of reckless in our sinful way of thinking to leave behind the 99. The next, then he tells, immediately after that, he tells another story, which is the lost coin. And, and I love the way he does it in the book. He says, he calls the lady searching for the lost coin, Crazy Annie. <laughs> because the picture is of this this lady who has lost a quarter in her couch. What is wrong? I mean, she's crazy. She's like turning her house up, upside down, looking for a coin. Like, just go back to work. You know, who cares? It's a coin. But no, she is obsessed with finding this lost thing. And again, the picture is we're the coin, we're lost. And God is obsessed with finding us and saving us and rescuing us. And then to cap it all off, the last lost thing is the lost son, which is actually, you might know it as the prodigal son. And other people have, and uh, Butler points this out in his book too, it's actually the story of the lost sons, Hmm. plural. And he goes into great detail about the parable that I don't need to do, but the short version is both of the sons, the older and the younger, have betrayed their father, have rejected their father, and their father comes to them. Hmm. When the lost, uh, the younger son, the prodigal son returns home, he's expecting to, you know, to have to be a servant. And in that time, he could have actually been executed for his crime because he basically said to his father, I want you to die. Mm-hmm. But his father lifts up his skirts and comes running out to him. And then when the party's going on, the older son won't even come inside. He's standing out back complaining about this ungrateful brother. And the father comes out to him. And the idea is lost doesn't mean you better take care of yourself. Lost means God is coming to get you because he loves you. Oh, wow. Wow, what a neat perspective. Yeah, it fits with the whole story of scripture as well. Um, one last one for that I got, I'm going to steal this from Butler as well. You've he- probably heard it said that uh, God can't stand to be in the presence of sin. And uh, I have often realized that's the wrong way to think about it, right? Because if God couldn't, if God, if God was like, ew, gross, sin, I can't be there, then well, first of all, he wouldn't become Jesus and incarnate himself and become, in, you know, become sin for us. Like, it's it's Jesus does not have a problem being near sin. He, he actually cleanses sin. He absorbs sin into himself. Okay, but here's the part that I'd never realized before. That starts back in the garden. Back in the garden, Adam and Eve sin. And what's the first mm. thing they do? They cover themselves and then they hide. But what does God do? 
He doesn't run away. Ew, gross, you sinned. He comes into the garden and he starts wandering around going, where are you? I'm looking for you, searching for them Hmm. because God is the God who pursues us. And we are the ones that run away and hide. God doesn't do that. He's pulling back things and he gets there to the, and he finds Adam and Eve finally. And he's like, where have you been? I've been looking for you. And they're like, oh, well, we, um, uh, er, and what God does is not banish them from the garden to get them away from him. He sends them away from eternal life in damnation so that he can be with them. It's really a total reversal on all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And I, I love it so much. And it's and it's such a great way to, you know, just coming out of the Christmas season and talking about uh, Jesus's uh, first advent and Emmanuel and God with us and that that and continuing that theme here into the new year of recognizing God's not God's not done pursuing us. I love it. Oh, yeah. No, he is not done pursuing us. And so let me let, let maybe let's change the metaphors rather than us pursuing God. We see it as God pursuing us. Then what we should be talking about in our our spiritual life with God is surrendering to God, like hostile forces surrender to a conquering king. Yeah, I, I can't help but think of C.S. Lewis. Right, that metaphor of you know rebels laying down our arms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I often think in my in my prayer times, especially in my contemplative quiet prayer, I think of setting aside my concerns for the day. I think of setting aside my temptations. I think of setting aside my even just my train of thought to rest in God as a kind of surrender to an overwhelming force. Hmm. It's not even that I choose necessarily to lay down my arms. I mean, there is an act of will. I'm saying, yes, I'm laying it down. I'm setting it aside. But it's very much an act of will, like, what else can I do? I have a pitchfork. Mm. You have a nuclear bomb. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, yes, I'm going to lay down my pitchfork and I'm going to sit quietly and listen to your love because there is no, you can't stop God. Yeah. Well, and for me, the thing that my mind goes to is maybe reimagining prayer as not something that, that we perform or we achieve, but rather basically just stop resisting him, resisting his presence and resisting his voice and just rather just yield and surrender to that. Yeah. And I have to be careful here because I understand some people, we struggle with not being able to hear God's voice or God's or experience God's presence. And it is a very common and real experience to feel like God is distant, to feel like God is not responding to me. But there is something true My baseline assumption is that God is always present and that God is always speaking and relating and emoting towards us. And the only real thing that's stopping us from experiencing that is our lack of attention, our sin, or some other blocks that we can't see it and don't want to hear it. And so it's not that he's not there. It's that we sometimes are refusing and we have to surrender to it. A small caveat, there are times I think, like Job, the story of Job is a great example of times when God intends for us to experience distance from, from him for a purpose. But of course, the paradox in that is that even when we experience God as distant, 
God is still present in that experience, which is a real paradox that maybe we should talk about it someday. But but that doesn't change the point here that the image we should have of God, I think, or more often than not, is one of a, a God pursuing us that we can surrender to. Yeah. So maybe in, in wrapping this up, what would you, uh, what should we do going forward? How should we take this that we've been discussing and, and apply it? <laughs> uh, that might have just exactly completely contradicted everything we've said now of, you know, how do we apply? Well, and that's kind of what I was going to say is I think in some sense, asking that question goes back into the metaphor of, well, what do I do? Yeah. But there's a way to answer that. Like, what do we do? in light of the fact that God is the one pursuing us and doing everything. Well, one prayer practice that's really powerful is the contemplative prayer practice of sitting silently with God and setting aside all of these images, letting go all of the need to to apply, to understand, to pursue, and just sit. And yes, that's something I do, and I have to choose to do regularly. And I admit that many, many times when I sit down to do that, my initial feeling is, oh, this takes so much effort. I've got to sit here and be quiet. And yeah, but about five or 10 minutes into doing it, there's this often experience of, oh, right, a reminder. What I'm doing is nothing at all but receiving. Hmm. So maybe the way to think about it is in this new year, rather than making a new year's resolution, I'm going to be better. Let's just keep Christmas going for a little bit longer. Receive some gifts from God for a little bit longer. Hmm. I love it. Yeah. That's a great thing. Yeah. Well, thanks, Matt. I hope that was a helpful conversation. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, no, well, and I love it. I love the idea of of letting Christmas go a little bit longer. And also, just because Christmas time is over doesn't necessarily mean uh, we should uh, forget or move on past the idea that God is with us, that, that Jesus is still Emmanuel, even now, even in the start of the new year, and that we can let him pursue us. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you to our listeners for joining us here on the back porch. And until next time. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you wherever the road takes you. Amen. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to visit us at signpostend.org. While you're there, sign up for our e-newsletter and we'll send you a free e-book. Also, a big thanks to all of our supporters. Signpost N is a 501c3 nonprofit ministry and we exist only because of our generous donors who make everything we do possible. Please consider supporting us with your recurring donation. Visit signpostin.org slash donate.